This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You can turn to your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to start with our foundational scripture. And again, we're teaching on, on the, the birth and life of Jesus Christ. And it's vitally important, especially for this, this time and this ministry, uh, in addition to, in, in, in regard to this time and in, in the, in the season of the year, that we don't forget that, that, that Jesus, he is the Savior. That he is the Savior. That he is the, 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 the Son that was given to take away the sins of the world. And so that my section of the teaching is, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a child, unto those that believe, unto those that consider him precious, a child is born. He wasn't just born for these people a long time ago in a land far away, but unto us on this day. If you allow the truth of God to be born in your hearts, he's born into you also. And so the purpose of this teaching is to more highly value that Jesus Christ, he is the promised Savior. Is that we need to, we need to, 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 to highly esteem. We need to count that as precious, as dear to us, that he is the promised Savior. And one of the reasons why we need to appreciate that, that Christ is the promised Savior is so that we can stop trying to save ourselves. We need to esteem that he is the promised Savior, that he is the one He is the only one that is able to rescue us so that we can stop trying to rescue our, to try and and make our own ways. And heaven forbid that we can stop trying to to put our our rules and to try and put our help, is that what you want to call it, on our children and the people around us as though we could rescue them. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He is the promised Savior. You know, so you can stop with your threats. You can stop withholding your gifts and your affections. You can stop with your bribes and your, and your, and your chicken dinners. Because Jesus, he is, the only, he is the only Savior. If he can't save them, no one can. If they won't let him in their hearts, you can't do anything about that. Jesus is the Jesus Christ is the only savior. So go to Isaiah chapter 9. Starting with verse 6 it says for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful. I love that name wonderful. You know, that's when we look at we look at Samson, his name is translated as, as wonderful. But he was a he was a, a, a weak, strong man. He, he thought that his 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 strength was was in his arms and was within his hair. But his strength was in being obedient to the will of God. And so God's like, well, you know what? He didn't get it right. I'm going to send my son and my son will be called wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the prince of peace. 
And I just love that the last word in his name is peace. Because when he had every right, when he had every prerogative to judge us according to his standard, to measure unto us according to his rule, he brought peace. He brought peace to a disobedient children into a backsliding nation. He brought peace unto us so that we can be reconciled unto God the Father. So this, we said that the Savior came in the flesh and dwelt among us. Y'all don't mind if we go over some of the things that we talked about last time. And the reason why I think it's safe for us is because we don't always hear the same way. And so I'm just going to, I wanted to, because this, 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 uh, this teaching, I just, you, you know, the God that you pray to is the God that's going to answer you. We need to get it right in our minds. We need to get it settled in our hearts on who this God is. Who is this Savior that we're calling on? And so we said that the Savior, he came in the flesh and he dwelt among us. And that because he took on flesh for a time, for a season, we have access to the Lord, our Father, for eternity. And we're going to talk some more about that. But he took on flesh. The glory of the Father took on flesh, the creator of all things. The delight of our Lord took on flesh and dwelt among us. And because he took on flesh for a time, he established, he established for all eternity a way for us to escape our sin. Because he took on flesh, because he took on flesh, this mortal, this corruptible body, it could take on immortality. It could become, it can be changed, become incorruptible. Because he took on flesh where I fell short, where there was no way that I could ever stand in the presence of God. Now I'm able to stand without blame in Jesus Christ. Because he took on flesh. For a time, we can have access to the Lord, our Father, for eternity. We said that a Savior, he's a, a rescuer. He's a deliverer. That Christ is the Christos. He is the, the anointed one. He is the anointing. None of us have an, none of us have an anointing. None of us have the anointing that, that, that is on Christ. He is the anointed one. We have no power in and of ourselves. We have no strength in and of ourselves. He is the anointed one. He is the one wherein the, 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 the Spirit descended upon and remained. He is the Messiah. He is the one that was promised from the beginning. And so when we, when we talk about the promise of a Savior, last time we said that we have to understand the Savior and that promise by examining the scriptures. And there are several scriptures that we went to. We talked about Adam, we talked about Abraham, we talked about Moses, and we talked about David. And how God began to, to reveal his promise to mankind. And talking about Adam or mankind in Genesis 3, we see that, that the promise was, was timely, that, that God sent forth the promise when we most needed it. When God had given the commandment and man had broken that commandment and judgment was due, 
When judgment was due, instead of bringing forth death, the Lord brought forth a promise. He brought forth the promise. We see that in Abraham, that, that the promise was strength. That in Abraham, the promise was strength. That when Abraham was past the time in his life, when he should have been, when he was beyond the time of having children, when his wife Sarah had been barren all these years, and it seemed as though it was over for him, and the steward in his house would have his inheritance, that the promise for Abraham, it was strength. When he, when he should have been weak, the promise, when, when what he thought was going to work out, what, what he, when, we had, when he had devised a plan, and he said, I have a workaround, God. I have a workaround. I, ha- I have the answer for you. God says, no, that's not the answer. Ishmael is not the answer. I have another promise for you. He promised Isaac. The promise for Abraham became strength. That Abraham was, was able to become obedient against what he could see in the natural. Against what he knew in the natural. And ordered himself. It was strength. When the Lord himself said that the son that you most desired, the son that I said was going to be the son of promise. I want you to offer up that son. Because I want you to show a type and a shadow of the son that I'm going to give, that I'm going to offer up. Abraham moved with strength. He was not weak. He was not inconsistent. He was not timid. But he strengthened himself to obey the Lord. The promise is strength. It's strength for Abraham. It should be strength for us as well. The promise is strength. We see that in Moses that the promise, it was order and righteousness. The people said, Moses, you've, you've spoken to God face to face. And, and we, when, when, when God tried to approach us like that, we couldn't take it. We could not bear the countenance. We were afraid for our lives. And God promised, he, said, he, he told Moses, he said, that I'm going to send a prophet just like you. That's going to teach the people my ways. That's going to show them. Righteousness. They think that it's righteous to, to love those that love them. But I'm going to show them that true righteousness is loving those that hate you. I'm going to show them what true righteousness is. That, that I'm going to show them what true worship is. What true order is. We see that in David that the promise was, was unbounded. That in David, the promise was unbounded. That's why David, even though he was the king, he could, he could say, you know, he could call Christ that was going to be his son, the Lord. Because the promise was unbounded. It was not bound by time. And it was not bounded by condition. It was not bounded by time. In the season that David thought the season was. It was not bounded by his expectations. It was not bounded by anything but God's will. It was not bounded by condition. He says that, you know, in, in times past, when, when Saul disobeyed me, I took my spirit away. But I'm going to send you a son and my spirit is going to abide with him forever. 
And even when the people are disobedient and they're undeserving, I'm still going to send forth my peace. I'm still going to send forth my love. For David, the promise was unbounded by time or condition. Too often we look at, at times and seasons and we say, well, if it was going to happen, it should have happened by now. I'm 21, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50. If it was going to happen, it should have happened by now. If God was going to do it, he should have done it already. But we see in David that the promise is not bounded by time. It's not bounded by what you consider in your narrow view. He said, well, I, I guess I messed it up. I married that woman or I married that man or or I didn't do this for my children, or I didn't do this on my job, and that's why it's it's my fault. It's not I can't I can't it's not gonna come to pass for me anymore. But the promise is not bounded by conditions. We serve the most high God, the Lord God Almighty. The, the promise is not bounded by your time. It's not bounded by your time. It's not bounded by your condition. When teaching about the birth and life of Jesus Christ, we preach Christ crucified. This is a stumbling block to those that place tradition before truth. And it's foolishness to those that are without faith. It's a stumbling block to those that would, that would place tradition above truth. That look at this time of the year, that look at this season as, 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 a, as just a... A, 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 a nice add-on. A nice add-on to what they're already doing. We say, well, I'll do something good this time of the year and that'll excuse my unrighteousness for all the rest of the year. I'll be nice to you at this time of the year because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek my own ways the rest of the year. It's not bounded by our traditions. Those, 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 uh, those fake grins and those fake smiles. You know those children that you haven't heard from all year. And now it's this time of the year and suddenly, suddenly, you get that phone call. What's, what's, what, what, are you, what are you cooking? What are the plans that you have? Is it, is it okay if I bring the heathen with me? No, it's not. Oh, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. Well, I, I, I was going to come by and swing through. <laughs> those that are, it's a stumbling block to those that place tradition before truth. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that's what he's, he's going to reap. We have adult children that come around looking for handouts because they say, well, they, they won't turn me down at this time of the year. They won't turn me down now. Come on, don't you have the spirit? Don't you have the spirit? Is the spirit not in you?
the neighbors that just a few weeks ago had gravestones and skeletons in their front yard. Now they're putting lights out. And you say, well, who do you believe in? Who do you trust in? It's just tradition. It's just a form. There's no substance to it. You're speaking and your words hit the ceiling because they can't go any higher. The Lord that you believe in is only a God of tradition. It's foolishness to those that are without faith. It says, what are you talking about that, that there can be an eternal? And now you're saying that that eternal became flesh and dwelt among us? That's complete foolishness. You know, that's what sets us as Christians apart from every other people. We shouldn't be the same as the world. We have a confidence. We have a hope that when we close our eyes on this side, that we're going to open up our eyes in glory. We have a confidence that greater is he that lives on the inside of us than he that lives in the world. We're not tossed to and fro by every time and season, by every tweet and news post. The greater one lives inside of us. We don't despair. We don't fret because of men's evil doings. Because we know that the Lord our God sent his son into the world so that the world might be saved. These things are foolishness to those that are without faith. Last time when I was when I was ending up, I said that the Lord has not forgotten his people. But have his people, have they forgotten him? That the Lord has not forgotten his people. He has not forgotten his promise. Go to Luke chapter 10. This is when Jesus' disciples, they've come back from doing all manner of good works in his name. And he tells them that, Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is the God that we serve. The God that gives us power to tread on serpents and to, to tread over all the power of the all the power of the enemy, all the power of the enemy, sickness and disease, 
disobediences and rebellions, all the power of the enemy, we have power. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you jump down to verse 23, it says, And he turned to his disciples and he said privately to them. This is an inside conversation. This is for those that are inside of the camp. This is for those that, that, that consider him precious. To those that really, the, the true believers. He turned into his disciples and he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see thee the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. He says, we, we, we live because unto us a child is born. We live in a time. We live in a time when we see things. That the prophets of old long to see. The Holy Spirit working in the earth among the people of God. These are things that they long to hear. And they didn't hear them. They died in faith, believing. Believing that a Savior would come. Believing that a Savior would come. And we live in these times. We take it so much for granted. We take it so much for granted. The Spirit lives inside of us and we walk in timidity. The Spirit lives inside of us and we walk in fear. The Spirit lives in us and we are inconsistent and unfocused. My desire is that in hearing these teachings about the birth and life of Christ, is that we begin to put away our fear and begin to walk in faith. That we put away our inconsistencies and have a greater focus in all that we do. That we turn away from our, our timidity. And that we have a boldness about what God has called us to do. It's not about your age. It's not about how many years on a job you have. It's not about your educational experiences. It's not about your gender. It's not about your ethnicity. It's about the greater one that lives inside of you. It's about who you believe in. Who you trust in. The Most High God. The Lord strong and mighty. The greater one. That lives in us. My desire is that we would have a confidence in the promise of God. Go to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah 7, starting at verse 1, just to kind of set up the scriptures, it says, And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that reason, the king of Syria, <clears throat> and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. 
what I love about this chapter 7 in Isaiah is that chapter 7 is after chapter 6. And it's almost as though you, you, you turn the page, but, but almost 20 years have passed. And chapter 6 is, when, is the year that King Uzziah died. That's when Isaiah had the vision of the Lord high and lifted up. Where he said, Lo, woe, and go. And so a lot of times as Christians we become so forgetful that, that, that we think that just because we've had an experience, just because we've had an encounter, that it's a settled matter. That the enemy is just going to go away. That he's going to leave us alone. But don't you know that even when Satan came to tempt Christ himself, and he was unsuccessful, that he said, I'm just going to go away for a season and look for a more opportune time. And so from chapter 6 to chapter 7, 20 years have passed. And a son has died and a grandson, is, Uzziah's grandson, is now the king over Judah. And you would think that there would be peace in his time. But Israel, the nation that should be his brother, but the one that refused to acknowledge the Most High God. They've allied themselves with Syria, an enemy. And they said, we're going, to go, we're going to come against the man of God. We're going to come against Judah and the people of God. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that reason the king of Syria and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it but could not prevail against it. Could not prevail against it. So a struggle was taking place. In verse 2 it says, And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim, and his heart was moved. This is, this is Ahaz's. Ahaz's heart was moved. And the heart of his people as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. You know, this message, especially for me, this is directed to the young people in this ministry. Those that have heard the word of God from a young age. Those that, that, that now it is your time to step forward. And to take strides and advances to the kingdom of God. That have held back because of fear, because of timidity. That have said, well, you know, I knew what it was for my grandparents. I knew what it was for my parents. But who is this God to me? Who is this God to me? And I just want you to know that that, that the child was born, it was born unto us, unto all of us. You're going to have to make it personal. It's got to be an intimate experience that the Lord, He is your God. He is your Savior. You're not saved because you're in your parents' house. You're not saved because of your grandparents' prayers. 
Yes, that helped to break the yoke of the enemy. Yes, that helped to bring entrance into the word of God. But you had to accept him for yourself. You had to declare that he was your God. That he was your Lord. That he is your strength. That he was timely when you needed him most. That he was there for you. That in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of what you don't know, that he's there for you, that he is your God, that he is your Lord. And so we see that Ahaz allowed his heart to be moved when he was challenged by Syria and Israel. That his confidence in the eternal, it was shaken by immediate peril. It was shaken by immediate peril. So what's the analog for, for us today? We didn't get that job that we wanted. Or maybe the job that we had, they had cutbacks. And now the job that we thought was going to be our source is no longer our source. The classes that we thought that we were going to get, we couldn't get those classes. The school that we thought we were going to get into, we couldn't get into that school. The person that we thought was going to be the number one with us forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. They moved to a whole different city. And they won't even take our calls anymore. They changed their status on social media. Uncertain. <laughs> he allowed his confidence in the eternal to be shaken by that which was temporary. That which was right, just the immediate and temporary peril. His confidence was shaken. What is confidence? When we talk about confidence, confidence, consciousness of one's power or reliance on one's circumstances. Confidence is faith or belief that someone will act in a right, proper, or an effective way. That's confidence. Confidence is the quality or state of being certain. Of being certain. It is a relation of trust or intimacy. Confidence is when you when you when you when you know what you I know what I can do. I know what my what my power I know what the circumstances are that I'm in. You thought that bedroom was going to be yours for all times. And then your parents said, you got six months. Find a lease. You thought all you needed to do to own a car was to buy gas. But now you got to buy insurance. And you have a car note. And you're like, well, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. I thought I knew what it was. I've been driving it since I was 16. But now I got to pay for it? Your parents are going out to eat and they're saying, we'll see you when we get back. You're not going to get me something? You call it to go order, we'll, we'll pick it up for you. You know, you got your own 
your own strength, right? You can, you can do it on your own now, right? Seven times three plus. In my house, it was, it was six times three, so. Grace is extended to this generation. Mercy. <clears throat> just notice, even if none of those things have happened or, or, or are in the works, just know that you will be tested. You will be tested. Testing will come. You're not going to get out of it without being tested. Your integrity will be tried. You will be pushed and challenged beyond what you think you can. But just know this. Just know as you're tested in the natural, your faith will not fail you. If you don't fail your faith, as you're being tested and pushed in the natural, your faith will not fail you. If you don't fail your faith, what does that mean? Go to Luke 22. They're messing with the clock. Luke 22. This is Jesus after, after Simon says, hey, I, I'm all in. I'm with you all the way. And the Lord lets you know that he's going to be tested. Luke 22, verse 31, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He means to shake up every single part of you, to separate everything that you thought you were and to break it down. What you thought was, was firm ground, what you counted on and trusted in, in the natural, he's going to shake that. In verse 32 it says, but I prayed for thee. I prayed for you. You know, my commentary, they say that this is something that when he says, I pray for thee, that he was speaking specifically to Peter. But I believe that Jesus was speaking to me in this, in this passage of scripture. I believe that he's speaking to each and every one of you that believes in him, that places your trust, that he has prayed for you. He has prayed for you. That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. When you've taken hold of the promise and the promise is giving you strength, you be a strength to those that are around you. Go to Hebrews 10. And I'm sure it's not written correctly up there. It's verse 23. 
Hebrews 10 and 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Let's hold fast. Let's hold fast. You know, it wouldn't say to hold fast if you weren't going to be shaken. It wouldn't say to hold fast if you weren't going to be tested and pushed and shoved around. It says, but hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why is that? Because he is faithful. He is faithful. We need to have confidence in the promise of a Savior. Confidence in God's promise. You know, our confidence in the other party, sometimes it can kind of kind of be a little shaky when we know that we haven't acted in a right, proper, or effective manner. <laughs> I'm always reminded of a uh, of the the husband is always thinking that his wife is 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 doing something against him when when he's the one he's the one that's not acting in a right proper or effective manner the student that always thinks that the administration is out to get them when they haven't studied or applied themselves in the right proper or the, the, the employee that says the boss is just out he's, he's against me the system is not, it's not set up for us it's biased against people of my gender. It's biased against people of my color. It's biased against millennials. It's biased against old people. It's biased against the middle. It's, 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 you know, when we haven't acted in a right, proper, and effective manner. Our confidence, that, that, that carries right up to our confidence in God. It, 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 it starts to, to, to fade when we know. You know, I want you to rescue me this time, but the last time I said that I was going to, I promised that I was going that, that I would never, and I find myself in that same situation all over again. I said I was going to turn away from, but now I find myself right back into when I would do good. Evil is present with me always. There's another law. There's something else that's that seems to be in my in my flesh that doesn't allow me to do the thing that that I, that I most want to do, and so my my heart is timid. My heart is 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 faint because I you know God I know I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your strength. I don't deserve another chance. And the devil wants you to just to not even ask, to not even ask, to stay home. To eat another pint of ice cream. To call up that old attraction. To go to that old website. Back into those old things that you used to know. Go to first John chapter three. First John chapter three. Our confidence sometimes wavers when we know that we haven't done what we need to do. 
And we're still talking about Ahaz and, and him, him and the people being afraid when they face trials and tests. Ahaz, I'm sorry, First uh, John chapter 3, starting at verse 20. Starting with verse 18, it says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us, then if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, the God that we believe in, the God that we put our trust in, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. But I want you to know that if our heart condemns us, that he's greater than our hearts. If we feel like that he won't give us another chance, that we can't come back, he said, no. You know what? I know you were on foreign territory fighting against all that we believe in, but I'll receive you back. I'll receive back my children. The Lord says that he'll receive us back. If your heart condemns you, he's greater than your heart. The Lord's desire for his creation, for, for mankind, it's greater. It's greater. It's greater than the hardness of man's heart. The Lord's desire for mankind, for his creation, it's greater than the uncertainty, than those thorns and thistles, than those excuses that you have in your heart. Go back to Isaiah chapter 7. This is the prophet, you know, when the people's hearts were moved, and it says, as the trees of the wood are moved by the wind, I just love verse 3, it says, then the Lord, that's that timeliness. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and his son, at the end of the conduit, at the upper pool, in the highway of the fuller's field. The Lord wants to meet you where you are. He says, you know what? Now that the people are afraid, I'm going to send forth my prophet. I'm going to send him with the word, but also I'm going to send him with an object lesson. Send, take your son with you. His son's name means that, that, that a remnant shall remain. A remnant shall return. And he goes and he says, he, he, he speaks forth godly counsel to the king. And then verse 11, he says, ask thee a sign of the Lord. Thou God, ask it either in the death or in the height above. Says, you know, when we ask, we have to believe that he exists. We have to know who he is. And according to what we know that he is, then we will be able to ask. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He says, but Ahaz, he said, I will not ask. Verse 12, neither will I tempt the Lord. He says, I know you're asking me to ask for a sign, but... I'm just not confident. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not going to even tempt God. 
And the prophet, I can imagine that, that, that he started to turn different shades of colors because he was so consumed with zeal for his Lord. He says, and, and he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. He says, you, represent the, you don't just represent yourself. You represent the entire house of David, the entire kingdom of Judah. You don't just represent yourself. It's not just you, where it doesn't matter what you do because it's just you doing your thing. You represent so much more than yourself. You don't just represent you by yourself in isolation. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a desire for you and what he will, what he will do through you. Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for ye to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? Is it a small thing that you can't be consistent in your promises that you make to men? But will you weary the Lord also? He says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means God with us. The Lord himself is going to take it upon himself to give you a sign. That he's going to, a virgin is going to bring forth a son. And his name will be called Emmanuel. Which means God with us. The Lord's desire for his creation is, is, is greater than the hardness of men's hearts. We show confidence in Christ Jesus when we act with purpose. In Hebrews chapter 3, starting with verse 14, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. While it is said today, if ye hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Today is the day to hear his voice and harden not your hearts but to have confidence in God's promise. We show our confidence in Christ Jesus when we patiently, when we patiently endure. When we patiently endure. That means that we continue to press forward against opposition. That although there are roadblocks and although there are trials in our way, we continue to press forward according to the will of God. In spite of it. Hebrews 10 and 35. It says cast not. Away therefore your confidence. Which have great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience. That after ye have done the will of God. Ye might receive the promise. So the promise comes after. You've done the will of God. For yet a little while. And he that shall come. Will come. And will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We need to have confidence in God's promise. Don't cast away your confidence. What you've trusted in, what you've believed in, hold on to that. You will, not be, you will not be made ashamed. He will not put you to shame if you put your trust in him. We have confidence in continuing to believe. Not just in having believed, but in continuing 
to believe. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We show our confidence in continuing to believe. And this scripture is very, it's, it's, it's very near and dear to me. You know, there are just some things that, that, that people have on their walls or that you see hanging up as, you, as, as you're going through. And, and it just, it just kind of strikes a chord with you. This particular scripture was, uh, was, was in an office of all places um, with, with, uh, with someone that I, that I, that I consider to be a, a mentor. And they just had the... Um, They just had the first part of the scripture up there, but they had the scripture reference. And, I, and, and it's like whenever I went in there, I knew what the scripture was in reference to. Even if nobody else, even if it was foolishness, if it was foolishness to everyone else, it was food to me. First Peter chapter 7, First Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 7, says, Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. And that's all that they had on their wall. That's all. That's that. That's that's as much of the scripture as they had up there. But whenever I would see that scripture, I, I, you know, I, I believe he is so precious to me. But it's to them that are to them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble. At the world being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Meaning that they were appointed to judgment because they failed to believe. In the, they failed to have confidence in the promise. Isaiah, he tells, the, he tells Ahaz that this, this promise is going to come where a virgin is going to give forth to a son. And you're going to call his name Emmanuel. Now we know that this that this promise was a promise for times to come. But don't you know that the Lord He gives you promises for times to come, but He also His promise is also for you right now. And He says, because He had a son with Him, He says, "Butter and honey He shall eat, that He may know to refuse the evil and choose the good." For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. So basically, God said, when you go and you prophesy to this king, I want you to take your young son with you. And I want you to use him as an object lesson. Because he needs to know that, that before this little baby right here, before this little boy knows between right and wrong to choose good, and to refuse evil. That the thing that, that has troubled your heart, king, the thing that has troubled your heart, those kings won't even be around anymore. I'm going to make their lands desolate. They're going to be utterly dis, 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 disposed of. And the, what I like about it is that Ahaz was the son of, was the son of Jotham. He was the son of, who was the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah. This is this is he's saying that just like your just like your parents taught you to have confidence, 
I'm going to use this, my young son, as a lesson. That before he knows to choose between good and evil, that the, th- the very thing that you are afraid of, the very thing that has you and the people moved and timid and afraid, God is going to completely dispose of those fears. He's going to dispose of those fears. Because the promise is for times to come, but the promise is also for right now. The promise is for the future, but it's also for you to act right now. The promise is made for us to make preparation right now. To no longer be afraid. To no longer be timid. To no longer be inconsistent. Tossed by every wind and every fear. But to have confidence that what we have believed in, that that is our strength. That what we have believed in, that it is timely. That he is a present help in our time of need. That what we have believed in, that it is unbounded. That it is, un- it is something that, that we cannot even put inside of a box. You know, you thought that what you studied would take you to a certain place. You thought that the people that you knew would put you in a certain position. But don't you know that God's promises to you are unbounded? That his promises to you are unbounded. There is no limit to what you are capable of doing in the kingdom of God. According to his will, according to his purpose. According to his desire. Go to Galatians chapter 4. His name is Emmanuel. That means God is with us. God is with us. And we're going to talk about this some more next time. But it's so powerful that God is with us. that, That he who was eternal that put on flesh is with us. Because we know that because he is eternal, that, that this mortal can put on immortality. That this corruption can put on incorruption. That we are so much more than the containers that we are in right now. We're so much more than the containers that we're... Y'all have to forgive me. My mother, she, um, she always had these plants... And that was that was that was her thing. She we had a a living room full of plants. I don't have any plants in my house right now that are living. No plants in my house right now that are living. But she would she would take these and she would take cuttings. You know how you, you would take a, you can take a cutting from a plant, and she would put it inside of a of a pot and in the pot and whatever that pot was, that plant would grow to fill that that pot. But sometimes she just said, well, you know what? I'm just going to put it in a bigger pot. And if she put, so if she put it into a bigger pot, whatever the bigger pot was, the plant would continue to grow. Feel that. We are so much more than these vessels. You can't, you can't contain what God's purpose and God, God's will for your life is based on this container. Based on this container. 
We said before that the, the value of the vessel is not in and of, it's not the vessel. The value of the vessel is not the vessel. It's what's inside of the vessel. Galatians chapter 4. Starting with verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Meaning we have we have a we have an intimacy. We have a relationship with the Lord God eternal through the Son Jesus Christ. Because He was born unto us. Because unto us a child is born, we now have the ability that we too can be born. Because He was born, we can be born. We'll talk about that next time. Because he was born, we can be born. I know some of you are like, well, Nicodemus, is that what? No, no. Because he was born, because he put on flesh, we can put on that which is eternal and stand before the Lord our God. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.